So Irma's out there somewhere. Uh, certainly we, we want to remember in our prayers and our thoughts and, and perhaps in our, our, uh, our pocketbooks that those are in the path of the storm. A bad earthquake in Mexico a couple of days ago. Lots, lots of uh, death and injury, property damage. Uh, I read one, uh, one place that said that is, that is the poorest region of Mexico that got hit by that earthquake. Fires, California. Political rioting. People dying. And each of us with our own individual burdens, suffering among our own families and friends. And yet, it's a good morning. It's a good morning because we know that amongst all of this bad news, there is good news. There's cause for, for joy. There's cause for celebration. Because we know there's good news. As a family of God, we proclaim a mighty amen. Yes, for God's word and the ever-present spirit of God affirms in our hearts there's good news. We look this morning at Luke chapter 5, verse 27 and following. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. After this, he went out, that is, Jesus went out, and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As we consider this, the Word of God this morning, I set before you four questions that you might consider in response. First of all, why did Levi, why did Levi respond to Jesus' call? Secondly, same question, only how? How did Levi respond to Jesus' call? For your reflection, how have you responded to Jesus' call? 
Have you responded to Jesus' call? And finally, the how question for you. And certainly these are questions that you can share with others, that your responses might be a blessing to others here this morning. Why did Levi respond to Jesus' call? How did Levi respond to Jesus' call? Have you responded to Jesus' call? And how have you responded to Jesus' call? After this, you would be sorely disappointed in me this morning if I did not talk about context. And so it is that the writer of Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, sets this passage in context after this. So this is a statement in, in sequence. What we're about to read, what we've read here this morning, follows on in what has already been written, written, what we've already read. For Luke is writing with a purpose. Luke has intentionality in how these things are presented to us. He's, he's building a structure. And this which is now before us is Luke adding another block onto that structure. For he's making a case as if this were a court of law. And here he is giving evidence. For we know that he set his purpose in the first chapter and the third verse when he said, An orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke does not propose that he is setting anything new before those who are loved of God. But rather he is writing that there might be certainty. He's writing as, a, as an authority. He's writing as an expert witness. He's writing as someone that you can depend upon that as you read his account of these things that they will instill in you a confidence, a certainty that those things that you have read, those things you've been taught, are in fact truth. And then not to jump too far ahead, but Luke concludes his writing with a summary statement of those things that you have been taught and in which you now should have certainty. In, in uh, chapter 24, verse 46, he writes, thus, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his, nation, in his name to all nations. And so in the course of this building, in the course of bringing the case, 
offering the evidence that would lead to certainty. Certainty in what? Jesus is the Christ, the promised one of God. That he suffered on Calvary's cross, cross that he, he rose again on the third day. And they, in the restating something that has been stated throughout the book, that Jesus came into the world, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his day, in his name. After this, then, Jesus encounters a tax collector. Now that's, in, in context, the way that we're to understand this reading, when you, when you say tax collector, you should kind of, yeah, you don't even want that in your mouth. I mean, tax collector, later, later on, which verse is it? He, he called, he, uh, the Pharisees call them tax collectors and sinners. That's redundant. I mean, when you say tax collector, you, you said something really, really disgusting. I mean, this is, this is among the most disgusting of sinners that were, were in that, that region in, in Capernaum, Galilee, in those days. They, they worked for the hated Roman government. They were, they were Jews, but they worked for the hated Roman government and collected their taxes, and then they collected their own fees on top of the Roman taxes. So whatever they could get out of you. So certainly, when Luke tells us that the one that Jesus encountered here on this day was a tax collector, he's, he's, we're to understand that this individual, this, this tax collector, is an outcast of society. He is, he is anathema. Nobody wants to be around him. He's, he's unworthy, vile, unacceptable. This guy, remember that Jesus, Pastor Ben uh, gave us the lesson about Jesus healing the leper and how a leper was, was, uh, was well, a tax collector is worse than a leper. Uh, this is, this is the, the epitome of a sinner. A tax collector named Levi. So he's a Jew. We understand? Now, it is altogether likely. We're talking probably 92.7% here that Levi and Matthew are the same person. Right? Uh, Levi being a Jewish name, Matthew being a Greek name. And, uh, and, and, and in the New Testament, we have numbers of examples where, where these two uh, uh, languages are used uh, for an individual's name. There's examples of those that have two names, right? Y'all probably don't know. I have a middle name. And if it's up to me, you'll never know. But in many instances, there's those that have two names. And so Matthew, Levi, same. And so here he's presented understanding that he is a Jew, a tax collector, and he's sitting at the tax booth. He is, he is engaged, he's doing 
that which makes him such a terrible person. When Jesus, it's not like, well, somebody said, or it, 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 I heard, or they're thinking. No, he's doing it. When Jesus encounters Levi, he's at the tax booth. He, it's kind of a, if you understand the historicity, the historical, historical setting here, you might want to think of him more as a toll collector than a tax collector, right? As you, as you passed along the way, along the road, he was there at his, his table, and, and you had to stop and, and pay your tax to him to pass on in, in whatever measure. So as Jesus comes, here's Levi, a tax collector at the toll booth, caught in the very act that makes him such a vile sinner and an outcast. I'm not sure that this, um, th- these words really communicate to us uh, like they did to, to Luke's original readers. But, but what he's saying here, and, I, and I'm, not going to, I'm not going to substitute because, because it would be really ugly, the things that I would say. Instead of tax collector, the, the kind of person that I would identify, would just, it, would, it would pretty much be inappropriate language. It's, it's that bad. That's the kind of person that Luke is portraying to us as Levi. And Jesus says to Levi, follow me. A simple command. A simple call. Without any embellishment. No explanation required. Jesus approaches this vile sinner and says, simply, follow me. The explanation is, Levi is a sinner. The explanation is, Levi is in need. And it is plain to him as to everybody else that when Jesus says, follow me, obedience is expected. And so it is that Levi, this hated outcast, horrible, sinful man, leaves everything. Now when I don't know about you, when I think about Levi sitting there at his toll booth collecting the, the taxes, t- tolls, people going by, and I read the line that says, he leaves everything. It's probably a deficiency in my own character. But I see, I hear, he's leaving a stack of money. To me, it sounds like there's, there's the money, the cash drawer, maybe, right? He just leaves it there. But the Bible says he leaves everything. 
So he leaves the cash drawer, leaves his table, leaves his chair, leaves his sign, leaves everything. That's a pretty, pretty all-inclusive statement, isn't it? Pretty remarkable. This is, this is an amazing response when Jesus says, follow me. Levi goes way overboard. The magnitude, the enormity of Levi's response to these two simple words from Jesus, I think help us to recognize for Levi his understanding of the magnitude of his need. I think it tells us of Levi's understanding of the greatness of his sin and his need, his need for Jesus, his need for what Jesus could do, his need that would be fulfilled in his obedience to the call of Jesus, follow me. When the Bible tells us Levi left everything, I read the word repentance. You know, it's not there in the text, but I think that's the intention for us to understand from this writing. Levi leaves everything because he is leaving everything behind. He's doing that formula, right, of, of turning away and turning to. Repentance. And he followed him. <coughs> Levi might have said, you know, Jesus, I've heard some of your preaching. I've followed you around and some of the other people have shared with me, told me, what they've heard you teach. Obviously, you're a very, uh, very well-known, highly respected rabbi teacher in this area. And you know, Jesus, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to change my life. I, I'm going to quit taxing, collecting. I'm, uh, I'm going to be a better man. But. Um, but, you know, this is where I live. Got a place over here. Wife, kids. Um, follow you. I mean, just this isn't the time. Maybe later. Um, but for now, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to be a better man. I'm going <laughs> to get some books. Right? I saw a book at the bookstore last week on how to how to be a better person and improve my life. I'm going to get one of those. I'm going to read it. I'm going to do what I can to, to do better. No! That's not what Levi did. Levi left everything and followed Jesus. 
Now, I'm, oh, uh, let's understand, we're not crediting Levi here. Right? Jesus said, follow me. And everybody knew that obedience was expected. This was a powerful call. This was a call from the Son of God. Jesus told his disciples, John chapter 15, we have it recorded. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you didn't choose me. Y'all remember that verse? You did not choose me, but I chose you. Levi, follow me. Everything's left behind. Jesus has chosen Levi. Jesus has chosen him and called him. And Levi, in obedience, responds to the call of the Savior. Levi had heard good news. Amen. Jesus says, follow me. And Levi follows Jesus. Levi says, Jesus, let's go to my house. And then, then Levi sends out some of his servants, because Levi's a rich man. He's got servants. doesn't say that in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. And he kind of goes to the union hall where all the tax collectors hang out. And he tells them all, y'all come to my house. We are going to have a celebration like you have never been to. And he gathers all of the tax collectors at his house and some of his other friends and neighbors, Jesus, and he throws a party. This is good news. He's like, like the angel that tells... Uh, tells Mary, I bring you, or tells the shepherds, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Huh? And, and Levi is celebrating. He is celebrating what God has done in his life. And he has Jesus over to his house, and they're celebrating. Great joy has come to the home of Levi. And he wants everybody to know it. He's got enough joy, enough happiness. He's got enough good news that he can share it with everybody he knows. But there's these religious people that are grumbling. Now that's hard to believe, isn't it? Religious people grumbling. <laughs> no? Alright, we'll move quickly on through this point. Yeah, very religious. And, and you know what? They're, they're not part of the joy. They're not happy people. 
And, and they begrudge Levi. They begrudge Jesus. They begrudge all of those that are at Levi's house celebrating. Because joy is not part of their religion. I'm still talking about the people in the Bible now. I don't want you to get confused. They don't celebrate. They don't find the happiness, the peace, the joy that comes from true religion. They know nothing of forgiveness. They know nothing of acceptance. But rather, they live by a list of rules, requirements, regulations that nobody can live up to, not even themselves. And so in their own self-righteousness, in their own forgiving spirit, they are the most miserable of all people, and as such, they want everybody else to be miserable too. Levi is celebrating. He's celebrating with his friends and sharing the good news. Jesus has come and called him. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Sounds like jealousy to me. I don't know. It doesn't say that in the Bible. This is just Bill's take on it. I think they're jealous. You know, the, it's, it, you know, we started off after this. Everything that we've read up to this point in Luke, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is on the upslope here. He's got a big crowd that follows him everywhere. Everybody is talking about Jesus. Just how, how the wonderful things he's doing, the healing, the miracles. And, and these, these legalistic religious people... I think they're jealous. They, they, want Jesus, they want Jesus to be on their side. They want Jesus to be like them. Is this familiar? Is this familiar? Not, not to follow Jesus, but make Jesus like me. Jesus in his wisdom. Amen. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You fellas, you you've got you've got your religion. I've got no argument with you. You don't need me. I don't need you. You've got no, no, no strings on me. I've got none on you. If you are, if you are satisfied, if, if you're okay with your religion, 
got no argument with you. If, if, you, if you do not want to accept election, if you do not want to believe that God has predestined those whom he will call into his righteousness, if you're okay with your religion, I'm okay. I don't need to argue with you. You're okay. If you have repented of your sins and trusted by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, we've got no argument. Don't need to go there. But Jesus says, the ones I have come, the ones who do have the need, are these sinners whom I have called to repentance. This is, this is the message. This is the message that Jesus brings. The purpose of his coming to call sinners to repentance. Luke writes, speaks of the word repentance almost four times as often as do any of the other Gospels. You find the word repent and its similar words 13 times in the book of Luke. I suggest to you that this is a major theme in the book of Luke. This is one of the important things that Luke intends for you to have confidence in. That the call of Christ is a call to repentance. One, uh, one expert defines repentance as to make a change of principle and practice. I like that. Make a change of principle and and practice. There is a need, as Levi saw his need, as Levi saw the, the magnitude of his sin, as Levi understood the magnitude of his sin was directly equated to the magnitude of his need, his need of forgiveness, his need of whose forgiveness? God's forgiveness. For as King David wrote, against thee only have I sinned. It is against God. It is against our Creator, our Heavenly Father, that our rebellion, our sinfulness, must be forgiven. And that understanding, that principle, that change of principle is that change from our own sense of our own self-righteousness, of climbing our own home-built ladder into heaven. That, that truth, that trust in God, that our salvation is only to be found in Him. Not of ourselves, not any right of religion, but rather the principle of of understanding that our need of forgiveness is forgiveness from God.
And so it is that the writer of Acts says in Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the truth. And this is the principle that it is necessary to to acquire, to believe in the act of repentance. That there is salvation in no other name. There is no one, nowhere, that can forgive us of our sins only in the name of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the world is crawling with false religions that are teaching salvation by myriad other paths. And then, then there's those that, that, that will teach they're all good paths. We're not going to settle on just one. Just pick you one and off to heaven you go. Lies. Lies from the father of liars. There is no other name whereby we must be saved. That name of Jesus. So in repentance there is a, a change of heart, a change of principle, but also a change of practice. I, I immediately thought, you'll forgive me for this, but I think this is a, a change uh, both in the subjective and the objective. A change in principle that becomes a change in practice. A changed life. Not only a change of the heart, but a change of the hand. Levi left everything and followed Jesus. That doesn't mean he just walked on the path behind Jesus, but he's following Jesus in, in becoming, becoming who Jesus is. He's following Jesus in the sense of being like Jesus. He's following Jesus where Jesus leads in practice of life. And so it was that Levi repented. And in his repentance, he celebrated a changed life. And he celebrated a changed life that he had to share with others. Repentance. The message that Jesus Christ brings into the world, the message that Luke confirms throughout his writing, a radical change, a different way of thinking, a different way of believing, a different way of living in becoming the image of Christ. The Apostle Paul, inspired to the right to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, for those whom he foreknew he also destined, predestined, listen to this, to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is what it means when it says, Levi left everything 
and followed Jesus. He was being conformed to the image of the Son of God. He was being ever more the image of Christ. It is for this reason that the Son of God did not cling to his throne in heaven, but humbly took upon himself mortality and suffered not only at the hands of man, but received the very wrath of God against sinners that we would be saved. We who need a physician. We sinners who need a Savior. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son. I thank you for the power of your Word. I thank you for the presence of of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.